Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today we fight to the death as I am joined by Daniel Lima and Elijah Howard to talk about Mortal Kombat. Elijah, how's it going? I'm doing good. Happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, o- Elijah was just Elijah was just with us as uh, to talk about some Apex Predators a couple weeks ago for Godzilla vs. Kong. We're talking about some other types of warriors today. Daniel, how's it going? Oh, it's going it's going swimmingly. Uh, so Mortal Kombat is the new movie that is like, you know, the adaptation of like plenty of other different types of things, whether it be, you know, video games, prior movies, I can't really say I was all that familiar with any of them. I'll have to end up deferring to my guest on some of that. So, you know, it was funny, guys, I went in this movie really knowing as little as you can, other than like whatever the littlest amount of knowledge you could have about the fact that Mortal Kombat was a gory video game. So I had no idea what the plot was going to be. And I mean, the movie opens and you're dropped into 17th century Japan as, as you see a uh, Hanzo Hashashi killed by some other assassins led by the, you know, villain B Han who comes upon him and murders him and his family, though his infant daughter is taken to safety by Raiden, the God of Thunder. And then all of a sudden we are back in uh, modern day. Is it Chicago? I think is where it, might be um i think chicago is where it's kind of set where you end up uh uh seeing uh the another uh a mixed martial arts fighter of sorts uh named cole he cole young he is uh fighting for really scraps of money but he uh after he fights he is approached by a guy named jackson briggs who wants to ask him about this mysterious mark he has on his body that you know kind of looks like a dragon and uh later he when all of a sudden there's an attack upon cole and his family where they are jackson saves him but is then uh kind of taken out by bihan and he sends Cole off to go uh, to someone named Sonya Blade. And they've been tracking this whole entire uh, Mortal Kombat world going on where there is an outer world that is kind of trying to infiltrate the Earth realm and they have deathmatch tournaments to see, you know, who is going to uh, just kind of, I don't know, rule the world. Uh, I'm still not totally clear on it. I don't know if the movie does a totally good job of actually setting up those stakes, but we can talk about that. But uh, Elijah, uh, Daniel specifically requested I ask you about this first because it seems like uh, you might have a little bit more of a history with the canon uh, of Mortal Kombat than most of us do. But I'm, I am kind of curious because, uh, like I said, I came into this really just not knowing what to expect, not knowing much. Given your relationship with however many of the prior Mortal Kombat movies you'd seen or the video games, more so than even asking you whether or not you like this movie, I guess what I would first ask you, because I know you had some level of interest in this movie coming in, uh, and it was also a, a Turner property. Uh, what did you think going in? Like, what do you want to get out of a Mortal Kombat movie in 2021? Is there more to it than just like cool fights and some gore that you're hoping to see when you sign up for this? Yeah, that's a good question. Cause I don't, I would say that, you know, without getting too much into what I really thought of the film, I mean, I think part of me was not disappointed by the fact that it was not much more than just <laughs> than than just uh you know faithful fights and and gore you know as far as faithfulness to the games go i recognize implicitly that the entire idea behind mortal Kombat is just absurd like it's just it's completely ridiculous the the games make no attempt to make their stories make sense or be any less convoluted than they really are and i know that that doesn't necessarily translate well to you know a movie because it works in the mortal Kombat video games because nobody watches the cinematics nobody cares about any of the stories of the mortal Kombat games you you play i mean for the most part you play the games to you know to play them to to fight and to you know have those beat the shit out of someone gory right exactly have those gory brawls so you know the question is difficult because with a movie the expectations change i don't go into a movie wanting to feel let down like i should be just playing this as a video game but uh at the same time i don't necessarily know that going into a mortal Kombat movie like expecting it to make a whole lot of sense or like to be, you know, to be like thematic is really the best idea because I don't think you're going to get those things from a Mortal Kombat movie and, and maybe rightfully so. So to answer your question, I mean, it's like, I, I, 
because we we we, we, we just came we ju- sorry we just came off of talking about Godzilla versus Kong, and you were like pretty positive about it. I think both you and I are like we got to see these dudes fight. We were able to kind of leave any other kind of expectations at the door, and it gave us exactly what we wanted. So I was just kind of curious, like should we kind of grade this on a similar curve? Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think part a small part of me hoped that it could maybe like go the extra mile and kind of maybe fill that void of, of video game movies by actually giving us like story a, a decent plot and thematic material but i didn't necessarily expect that it was going to so i wasn't let down when it didn't <laughs> so, so 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 it sounds like were you if you got about what you're expecting in that department as far as everything else did you think it actually succeeded in uh giving you what you wanted with respect to the action because that's a pretty big part of i mean this property yeah i'll say i mean and there's there's lots of reasons for that that we can get into you know when we talk more in depth but you know i feel like this there there are several reasons you know and it's several ways in which it, it it accomplished what it did but i yeah i mean at a basic level i do think that it it successfully translated the the combat uh, of the video games into into the movie yeah one thing i was that surprised me was that i like I knew the video games were kind of like known for their gore. Not that I could really say I'd played any of them recently, but I just, like I said, I knew nothing going. On. I didn't even know till I was in the movie whether it was rated PG thirteen or rated R. Because I hear like video game adaptation, and for the most part, my head goes PG goes to PG thirteen when I hear that. Though I know I'm there probably been some other video game adaptations that are rated R, but I just wasn't expecting that. So I was like kind of caught off guard by some of it, and I was like, oh wow, this is like pretty graphic and visually interesting in some ways uh daniel i know just from uh kind of seeing you make some comments here and there over the last week that i don't think you were super high on this movie but i'm wondering uh is it would part of that be because your expectations for the action were higher because i know you're a bit of an action movie connoisseur or did it kind of just fail your expectations in the ways that like uh elijah said he had to keep his in check um yeah uh here's the thing i didn't really grow up playing the games they're like a huge you know uh blind spot for me like I, in the trailer the the at one point scorpion says get over here and i'm like oh that's a cool line i had never heard the line before that's like one of the most iconic lines in video games and i never even heard it before there's hmm. so much that i've missed but i watched the trailer which was it was in uh, a red band trailer and you know they had all the gore um like there's a there's a point where like sub-zero cuts the dude the blood flies up he freezes the blood and then stabs him with it that's just cool as shit i came into this really expecting if not i would did not go in expecting like a great story or anything i tried actually learning what the plot of the mortal kombat games is and it makes zero (laughs) sense and like elijah said it just wouldn't translate well so i didn't expect that i just wanted some good fight scenes that's it that's all i wanted that's all i came here for and I came away disappointed, admittedly. Well, okay, so I guess I guess I'll ask you more. We'll, we'll get to those more specifically then. I'll ask you more detail, but I was kind of curious because I, I I think you also probably are a little. I think you're a little more attuned to what to look for and things like that, and you have higher expectations because you've seen so many action movies. You've forgotten more action movies probably than I've ever watched. So I think uh, you probably just. Uh, notice certain things i don't because i think i was on a base level still pretty entertained by this though i'd say i'd say with respect to the story you know i'm someone that oftentimes is pretty sensitive to like whether or not this plot is making sense like in uh even in movies where you really shouldn't be as concerned with that uh even less so than here sometimes i get hung up on it and here i actually didn't think it was like super hard to follow in in some ways i appreciated that that it kept it simple though i will say even because we we're, we're recording this eight days after I first saw it, so I wanted to like go back and revisit it at certain points. And to be honest, even though I left the movie theater feeling pretty positive about the whole thing, the thought of doing that over the last few days as we were trying to schedule this podcast, it did sound, it did feel like more like homework than I thought it would. And I wasn't exactly like super looking forward to doing that in the way I expected to. And I, maybe there's something to the idea that I did just I did see this in a theater, and you're gonna maybe get a little more out of it that way, and it's gonna keep you more engaged than the thought of just doing it on your TV through your Roku or on your laptop, like or your iPad, like I was ultimately gonna do when I went to refresh myself in advance of doing this. But given the level of enjoyment I, I had in the moment, I was like still like kind of. I don't want to say dreading it, but just like, oh man, isn't I could go be watching something else right now instead I'm going to do this just so I feel a little more boned up for the podcast on it. And I think part of that was, 
you guys heard me struggle at the beginning of this podcast. I was trying to figure out like, how do I even explain this story? Again, I didn't find it complicated, but I was like, man, there's just like so much to like talk through to like even try and give a synopsis to get to the point. I kind of fell off there and just gave up and threw it to Elijah before I even got to the point where it's like, oh, well, this this team of people then treks their way out into this uh, to this training this ancient training ground and then they have to train to fight the outer world and i didn't even get to that when i was giving the synopsis because so much shit happens uh or or not even that much shit happens but you have to go through so much plot to even get to that point so yeah so much there's so much exposition and so much setup to get to the actual premise yeah and i i would say that it it's it is a it is a a a hazard of trying to condense 25 years of video game lore into one movie you know the the mortal kombat games have have there is we're on mortal kombat 11 in the main series but it's actually like mortal kombat 20 (laughs) in terms of like the number of games that have been released and while i may joke that their plots make no sense and nobody cares about them they still build lore and build a meta narrative right right that runs through all the games and i think it was a misstep one of the one of the many missteps that i think the film took but i think probably one of the, the first and the biggest was working under the assumption that the audience would have no idea what the like background of mortal Kombat was and that they needed to know everything in order to like appreciate the movie and i think that a lot of the problems with the movie stem from that misunderstanding i think this movie could have done a star wars you could have literally just put a text card at the beginning of the movie been like for thousands of years the outer world has fought the earth realm you know for like they but instead mm-hmm. they spread it out into dialogue exposition dumps over the course of an hour and a half and it just it was i felt like it was a misstep because it detracted from what people I think came to see. And, and in general, I'm a fan of showing and not telling, but I don't think they showed that well. And they did. I, cause I, 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 as I was thinking about it at the end, I, I don't think the, for as much effort as they put into the exposition, I still don't think the stakes are very clear. Uh, I get it. I, you know, outer realm, bad guy, earth realm protecting earth. So in theory they should be good, but you know, I, and I, I'm impressed that the movie was at least as entertaining as it was on a pretty like uh, reasonable budget. It looks like $55 million, but the fact is like it didn't feel like the scope of the Outer Realm or the folks inhabiting the Outer Realm, it didn't feel that big. It didn't feel like, oh man, like these like, is like 17 people here and they're going to take over all of Earth and like ruin it? Like What, what are we talking about here if they win? I, I, I don't know. I get it. Like These people are evil, but like... They don't necessarily seem to like want to just go murder people around Earth for for shits and gigs. Like I don't know what they're trying to do here. Um, actually, something Elijah said that uh, made me think. Here's the thing: with the video game adaptation, like Elijah had said, it's a little tough because most of these games are you know built around their gameplay. You know, how do you adapt something like Super Mario Brothers or Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat? Personally, I think that the best way to go about an adaptation like this is to capture the spirit more than the actual like plot mechanics uh and in that i do think that the movie somewhat fails because at the end of the day like you've been saying like it's just a ton of exposition a ton of like oh we're gonna get to the next part of the plot right now but i still don't really know what that is and even, and I, I don't mean to be, and I know this might sound like it's uh, undermining my own point, but if the essential part of Mortal Kombat is the Mortal Kombat, you know, this idea of this tournament of fighters, why is there no Mortal Kombat? Do you know what I mean? Like, there's no, like, I think the entire plot of the movie boils down to preventing them having this big fight tournament. And so you don't really get one there's a whole lot of like little fights and then toward the end uh, the for the climax there's like four fights five fights happening in like five different locations at once and you never get a true sense of the you know uh, of of you know the tournament thing the 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 fighters that are you know some of the best in the world pitting their own skills against one another i love a tournament movie it seems like even if you weren't going to adapt every single element of the of the the, the video games here, 
it seems like there's an there's like a uh, a sort of essential structure that you could cling to that they just kind of throw well, they, up into they, the they, wind. They, they talk right. a lot about tournaments, but it's you don't get one. Right, and I yeah. think I mean I think there's a pretty obvious reason for that, which is sequel baiting. I mean, mm. Joe Joe Taslim himself said that you know before this movie came out, he said, "Oh yeah, I signed on to do like four films if this one is successful." And I know that you know the Simon McQuaid, I think is his name, the, the director. Uh, mm-hmm. Simon McQuaid, McQuaid. I don't know how you pronounce his last name, but um, <laughs> that dude. I know that there was like reports that like he banned the to- like he banned people from even talking about sequels on set, uh, you know, in an attempt to sound valiant. Like he wasn't sequel posturing, but the the sequel posturing is built right into the movie. Like it's hard to ignore that it's there, and it's pretty clear that this is supposed to be the prelude, you know, and that the bit the actual tournament is going to happen later. I mean, and it's just I don't I, I think that was that's a problem. I think that is a problem. I think sequel posturing in general is a problem. I think it's, you know, it, the movie does a pretty decent job avoiding it at some parts, but it just, it the problem is it goes from weak opening exposition. Uh, it, it does that all the way until it doesn't do that. And then it just starts sequel posturing. And it's just like, that's yeah. not, I don't think that's how you build a film. I didn't realize, you I know. didn't realize that Joe Taslam was the guy from the raid. Daniel and I talked about the raid last year. Oh my God. How do you not know that? Come <laughs> on. Well, no, no. I, I, well, on, I, well, cause he, he, I was so excited. Well, he's, co- he's covering his mouth in like the whole movie. Fair he's covering enough. half no, his face. I, well, the opening scene, he's not. Come on. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Joe Taslim, he's one of the legends, one of the greats. Honestly, a lot of, well, I say a lot of the cast. Honestly, it's, I think, he, he, uh, uh, Sonata, the guy who plays Scorpion, and Louis Tan. Those three are like action kind of vets. Like you see them around a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, Louis Tan, I think he was from, uh, I know he did like that episode of Iron Fist, and he also was uh, thinking into the Badlands, if mm-hmm. I, I'm not wrong, and Wu Assassins. So he's been around also, which is another reason why I was excited and another reason why ultimately I was very disappointed by the movie. <laughs> can we can we talk about Louis Tan? Because I mean, like, I respect the guy. I think he's a He's a good, uh, he's a good stunt performer. I think he, you know, he has a good grasp. That's of, you know, the, the the rudiments there, and you know, the few times that I've seen him in other, uh, you know, more acting roles, um, he's been he's been pretty good. But man, he was so bad in this, and I I don't I I've ca- I caution blaming him because you know I, there's only so much you can do with that mm-hmm. role i just think it was a huge i think in general it was an, it was another huge misstep to put that character in the movie like that um, i absolutely i actually i actually absolutely agree i don't know much about mortal Kombat, but this character just seemed like he didn't fit in with all the others and it turns out that i mean this is an original character am i wrong no you're right he's he's a new it's a new character invented for the movie and oh. it's just like you have there are i think 50 60 70 characters in this franchise and they said no we're gonna need to create one why why i don't i mean like i don't know this is kind of like a tangent this is not usually what we do on this podcast but if it were me and i was like rewriting the movie no go for it i would just use i would just use sonya blade as the main character i mean like it's it's basically already there like mm-hmm. you know, I'm not, and this is not me saying that Jessica McNamee did a, mu- a much more amazing job than Louis Tan, or that that character is better. But like, you don't need Cole Young as a character. You can just because have she's already some... this out, like as written, she's already this outsider who's trying to break into this. She has a, a exactly. inherent connection to this because she wants to be there versus Cole, who's just like a generic sort of chosen one. Right, and uh, her dynamic yeah, I'm, I'm with Jax, her dynamic with Jax would make a perfect, you know, instigator. Right, Jax is the defender of Earthworld. Like he's supposed to be, he's supposed to be the hero, but then he gets wrecked by Sub Zero, and she has to, you know, step, step up, up and right. Mm-hmm. And like, to, it, it was just so obvious to me at the end of the movie, and I was like, I just don't, I don't get why they they put this like very very clear audience insert as the main character <laughs> when it's like no and then sense. and then just like when he finally gets his like power 
it's like latex armor. Like that. Like just, it looked so bad. He turns like, into. He turns into. He's like, wearing a ribbed condom. He turns into Aquaman. I was like, <laughs> the, I thought it was. Well, it's also interesting that like one, like you said, they they created a character when they probably didn't need to, and two, uh, I guess because he has this martial arts background, he's someone that makes sense for them to cast. But he, one, he's. Uh, he, I'm, I'm seeing now. I guess he's actually British. And uh, so you're asking the British guy to do an American accent. I also thought it was kind of weird, and this is a pretty small nitpick in the grand scheme of things. The guy's born in like 1987, and there's like a, a 15-year-old daughter in this movie. So I was like kind of confused by that too for a second. Like I was like, uh, wait, that's his that that's his daughter, and I, I, he just looks so young to have a daughter that was like that old. And I, I was a little confused by that too. It's like you easily maybe could have just. One, I guess, maybe done a, an actor that would have been a little more charismatic in the role that wasn't going to be having to hide an accent. Uh, or, like you said, just do away with that altogether and maybe even do away with that opening scene. Uh, if you're trying to, you don't need the whole bloodline storyline of, it, you just don't need it. And, you know, you could have focused on other stuff if you would just like skip straight to Sonia and Jax, I guess. Or look, like, look, again, maybe I'm just getting way too into the lore here for, a, you know, a podcast you know about about film but it's like if you i like i thought the opening scene was pretty damn cool actually i really liked it it was one of my favorite moments in the movie and then it just bothered me that we never got scorpion again until the ending why don't you make it you know they they put in this whole thing right with cole and the bloodline and he has to release scorpion but he doesn't know it you know blah 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 blah, blah. why doesn't it you know you could just have like this side plot of like scorpion you know for reasons unknown gets dropped back into earth realm and his like and he's like trying to he's like trying to piece together what's going what's been going on for the last 500 years or something like it mm-hmm. there's just there's there so much revenge, to, there's, there's so many more angles that you could have gone with with this cast of characters that would have led to a more personal connection to the uh to the actual narrative right and instead they just opted for the ya you know, chosen one <laughs> premise, which I don't, it just seems lazy. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it, to I'm me the most, you. it just seems lazy. Yeah. And I mean, um, uh, and I feel like it, they, they kind of wanted to go with that and, you know, make a big deal to everyone finding their inner power, which I guess they call the arcana. And I don't think it ever becomes all that clear. Like they make a big deal out of him being out of Cole being able to manifest that. And how that should be like a that's a big part of becoming one of these, uh, w- w- just like one of these chosen, uh, th- these chosen heroes. And he he can't do it. He ends up going back to his family. And then when one of the outer realm villains comes and tracks him down there, uh, he's in that fight, and all of a sudden his family's at risk. And then he's all of a sudden able to manifest his power. Uh, but whereas who could have seen that come? Who could have seen that come? Right, right. But like the, the second Sonia kills off. Uh, the Kano guy, she all of a sudden has hers. Like, you know, it doesn't seem like, you know, I I don't really know if there's a lot of logic to exactly how they accomplish that. It's more just, it's whenever the plot calls for it, you know? And I mean, there's, I would say this, and this is, this is, this is another problem that you get with a movie of this type, which is, you know, the desire to, or how do you balance the desire to please fans with fan service, with making a movie that is, not necessarily like unpredictable for the sake of being unpredictable, but like, like you just said, right? Like Cole, Cole goes back to be with his family and then Goro attacks. And like once, you know, once his family is in danger, suddenly he gets the Aquaman armor and can, (laughs) (laughs) and can kill Goro. But it's like video game fans who, who've been playing the Mortal Kombat series for a while know that this is going to be the moment already. Cause it's Goro who always appears in the games as like this, like the sub boss, like he's like usually the last, the second to last guy before the game ends, right? Like he's, he's the last he's, one in the first game, right? He's, uh, or Shanks on the last one in the first game. I can't remember. I think he shows up. He's only. I think he only shows up in the second one. I would watch like a history of the franchise videos. So right. So maybe he's the final. Part. He's the final boss in the first one, and then you know, in pretty much. Uh, I thought Shanks Sung is in the. Yeah, Shanks Sung's in the first one. Is he? Yeah, okay. he's he's the final boss of the first one. Yeah, but right, but Goro is that is like the is like he's literally the boss right before the ending, and he's incredibly difficult. And you know that that's when you see Goro on screen, and it's this the fight's about to begin. You know that this is like a pivotal moment, and implicitly, so it's one of those things, right, where it's like 
it's it's clearly something to please the fans but it also implicitly takes away from the 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 unpredictability or the mysteriousness of the movie right it kind of handicaps the ability for the movie to be exciting in a way that is unpredictable here's the thing uh going back actually to what um elijah was saying about that opening scene i agree up to the point like you know he was saying that you were saying elijah that it was like a really cool way to set up the you know character dynamics of you know uh scorpion and sub-zero and yeah it, it was cool it was well produced my thing is the moment they started fighting i realized that i was gonna be in for a tough time why is that because the moment they start fighting, you get exactly what I was dreading, which I didn't see in the trailer. Uh, you get all the, like, they're cutting really quickly in between the strikes. They're cutting at the blows so that you can't really get the full impact of what they're actually doing. Uh, there's all these different camera angles, like they were shooting for coverage. I realized that the budget of this movie was fairly low. But I mean, I watched direct-to-video action movies that were made for a fraction of it, and they're just better made fight scenes going through the cat the the uh the crew list it does seem to me that a lot of these people are relatively new to the industry i think this is uh the director's first movie i believe that even the fight choreographer like the only the last movie the first movie that he ever was the choreographer for was within the past decade he's been doing mostly like uh let's see alien covenant was first fight choreographer credit which was only like what three four years ago the last movie he was a fight choreographer for was the spongebob movie sponge on the run yeah. you know what i mean like he's not like a like a necessarily an action vet same with the the cinematographer and the editor i believe both of them started their careers very recently and while this movie isn't it doesn't it's not noticeably bad compared to other action blockbusters of its ilk today um it it really does not look good compared to other martial arts films actually right after not right after i watched it but like i watched um the mortal kombat original movie from 95 and even though that movie has its own uh uh own problems holding it back the action is actually rather good and it's not that it's stupendous it's not gonna you know earn a place in the pantheon of great martial arts movies but just the nature, that the way that they used to shoot these sorts of movies in the 90s, even something as, you know, fairly, uh, it, it's not like the original Mortal Kombat movie was like a blockbuster itself, like intended to start off a franchise and, you know, they were pouring money into it and had all the resources at their disposal. But just the approach that, you know, these sorts of action directors would take in the 90s just lends itself better to, you know, capturing the action than how we do it today even in the aftermath of something like you know the john wick franchise which i think kind of turned everybody's heads and showed an alternative way to uh shoot action in uh, western media and yet this movie is outclassed um by movies that are 30 years old movies that cost a fraction of the budget even modern tv shows like warrior and into the badlands i was just say, i think ultimately right it comes down to Either the director understands like the the Eastern style of action cinema, or they don't, and I think it's pretty clear that Simon McQuaid didn't like. Well, so, so you say that, but like, what what did you? I mean, we've kind of nitpicked it a little bit. What did you like then? Because you kind of said when we when I we first started out, you think it did still succeed in entertaining you with some of these fight scenes. So what yeah. did what did you like about it? If you can though, if if you can at the same time recognize some of its shortcomings, the volume and adherence to. Uh, you know, things from the video games because the 95 movie and, and great. Look, I don't want to, I think that there's, you know, as Daniel said, there's a whole other ball of wax as far as like why the 95 movie is not as successful or not, or just not successful in its own right, you know, in its own ways. But one thing I won't knock it for is the lack of technical ability. You know, that, that movie is 26 years old now we've come a long way in terms of what we can portray on screen. And there was just technical limitations to that movie. There was technical limitations to Mortal Kombat Annihilation that came out a couple years later. And I think this movie, the first one that has both the gumption to do those things and the technical wherewithal to do them. 
So the ways that, you know, the, the video game manifests in the movie's fight scenes, I think was obviously a big step forward for this movie and probably one of the best parts of it. You know, the, the way that they do Cabal's teleporting, for example, you know, something that you couldn't do 26 years ago, but technically speaking, and that's something that I think the movie does well. I think, you know, the, and that's just in general, the, the visual styling of the fighters is something the movie pulls off well especially as, com- as compared to the other films um, that have tried to do this before. Uh, Liu Kang's fire, you know, I thought looked really great. Um, you know, his, his fire arcana looked really good. And um, it's just stuff like that. You know, Kung Lao's hat, they make jokes about it, but like they did the, they do the, you know, the bandsaw fatality. Like that's a, an iconic Mortal Kombat thing. That I, I, I did enjoy that. <laughs> yes. Is the movie just goes for it. And I think that was this, you know, the strongest part of the action to me. And I, I will agree with Daniel that it, you know, there was a directorial problem. There was an editorial problem, but from a visual design perspective, I think it gets, it got, it got that element right. And that's a, uh, you know, that's actually, a basic building block. Yeah. To actually, to that point, I was going to say that the better fight scenes in the movie, I think are the very effects heavy stuff, which for me is a bit of a failing because it's, it is a martial arts movie, but you know I'm willing to accept that. It, the, like the uh, the Goro fight actually specifically kind of impressed me with how well you know how how well edited it was, and I think a part of that is I I don't know much about the actual film production aspect, but I assume that with those effects heavy shots, there's you're not allowed to shoot for coverage. You're not allowed to you you kind of have to know exactly what you're gonna shoot. So it's not like they're building the fight scene with Goro out in post because they have to know exactly where his arms are going to be, what exactly Louis Tan is going to be, you know, where is he punching into the air so that it looks like he's actually hitting this, you know, 20 foot ogre. Um, And so, yeah, like those fights clean up stuff dramatically and are far more entertaining. The final fight with uh, Scorpion and uh, Louis Tan and uh, and, uh, Sub-Zero is also fairly well done. Uh, I think it cuts away. There's a little too much cutting from from my taste, but you know, like you said, they incorporate the 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 visual design of these people's uh, abilities in a way that make for uh, a unique action set piece. Even though I think they're still leaving a lot on the cutting room floor. You know, like they could have done more, but um, you know, there's there's there is some better stuff once you get the uh, the, the the effects work involved. Yeah. I, I... I agree. Like I, I again, I guess I might have, I, I might be the easiest to please out of all of us. But I, I, I found myself just uh, still enjoying a lot of those, especially a lot of those fights in the back half of the movie. Again, like I already mentioned, it, it take it takes a while to get going, and I, I guess I just it just satisfy, satisfied some more of the more of the uh, primal inclinations I have. Just to, you know, I, I don't know how you uh, what did you call that kill Elijah with the with the hat. Oh, the the fatality, the Liu Kang's, or uh, sorry, Kung Lao's bandsaw fatality. Bandsaw, yeah. I mean, I mean, I was like, I, I audibly was just like, whoa, in the theater. I was like, oh man, that that I, I didn't see it coming because again, I probably played the games a time or two when I was younger, but I'm really not that familiar with any of this stuff. So some of those moments might have even like caught me off guard more so than uh, more so than most. And I and I I I I, I enjoyed that whole sequence. I mean, I guess you uh, talked about the Goro fight, but I I kind of enjoyed the whole sequence after that where. I mean, they, uh, where everyone just kind of, where they kind of split up and they all go kill their own people. And, uh, maybe, I don't know if those were, if Daniel, you found those to be shot any differently. And I, I kind of get what you're saying, maybe out some of the earlier fights and they just were, you know, they just weren't, they weren't cut correctly. But I, 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 I kind of thought I liked when everyone kind of got their own moment in that final sequence, though I, and I guess this is also kind of a compliment. The, the movie ended earlier than I thought it was going to. And part of that is because it's so clearly is just trying to set up a sequel. And you guys can speak to however you thought they ended it that well. But like I, I was kind of like just, it almost felt like I was just getting into it when they did have that whole thing where they all went off and killed their own people and they were going to uh, come back together to try and kill Sub-Zero. And I was like, oh, well, I really enjoyed this. And then all of a sudden the movie ends. Uh, but I, I was like, really felt like it was getting going and I was enjoying that action probably even more than most of what had happened the first hour and a half of the movie. And then it just, I don't know, kind of felt like the movie ended, but, uh, I guess, I guess that's kind of indicative of me enjoying some of the more special effects heavy stuff, just like you guys did. But I, at the same time, I can kind of recognize what Daniel's saying is that like when you're going to like see a martial arts movie, you're, you're hoping to see higher execution, more execution than 
in just that department. Yeah, actually, uh, I do think that the finale, it, 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 like I said, the action cleans up a little bit, especially because so you know there's so much effects work in the final, you know, that final uh, climactic, you know, battle royale. But at the same time, I think it does highlight the problem I had with the majority of the movie, which is the action that is there just isn't that good. And there's a whole lot of exposition and setup and going to this place to meet that guy. And uh, at the end of the day, it's like, I came here to see people fight each other. So why did I have to wait to the end of the movie <laughs> to get to all the good stuff? You know what I mean? Did you see in the theater? Did you see in the theater? Did you watch it on uh, at home? I saw it in a theater. Okay. Um, and it, funnily enough, actually, I hate I hate that I always bring this up whenever we're talking action, but I mean it's the pinnacle, man. I watched Undi- I rewatched Undisputed three that same day, like before I went into the movie theater, and uh, or I think the day before, and you know it's a movie with a tournament structure, uh, made for a fraction of the budget, and you know it's not that it I don't think it's gonna it was ever in contention for an Oscar. But uh, it's a movie that, you know, keeps a very streamlined story. It emphasizes, if not the actual fighting that you're watching, it emphasizes the mindset of these fighters. You know, it creates this whole world within like a little ass prison complex, totally around your ability to kick ass. Um, And it's it boggles my mind that this movie, uh, you know, just spent so much time in the lead up to the actual action uh, and then, you know, executed action that was not quite as good as, you know, what you could get for a fraction of the budget. By any chance, did any of you guys watch the, uh, the short film, the Mortal Kombat short film? No. Uh, Rebirth from 2010? No. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a movie that, that short, it was eight minutes long. It was made on like a $7,000 budget by, uh, directed by Kevin Tancherone. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Um, he's a guy who jumps. He's mostly a TV guy, uh, has jumped around a bunch of stuff like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Flash and such. And so he directed this. He made this short as like a proof of concept. And, you know, it's a radical departure from the lore of the games. You know, it takes place in like a gritty urban environment and everyone is repurposed as like instead of like a supernatural entity. It's like they're crime lords, mutants, uh, people who like you know, serial killers who like modify their own face. Um, and you know, it's a bit of that oppressively grim, dark shit that I'm not a huge fan of, but, um, it, it does kind of capture the, the grim, gory feel of the games as far as I can tell. And the action is absolutely superb. You know, the choreographer was, I think, Larnell Stovall, who has done a bunch of different, like really great, uh, action movies over the past decade, including, um, Undisputed 3. And it's just, I watched that after watching uh, Mortal Kombat in theaters, and I was just blown away by how how much more I liked this eight-minute short than anything in the, you know, $50 million movie that I had just seen. Um, it was, you know, because you had vets, you had people that were devoted to, uh, you know, showing you the action, the who adapted the material in a way that would get to the essence of the appeal of the franchise without having to, you know, shoot themselves in the foot narratively. I really did think that it was uh, brilliant. And I wish that I saw some of that ingenuity uh, in the film. I, I could certainly see that. And I, you know, it's, it's a very fair expectation to have when you're going to see a Mortal Kombat movie. Elijah, do you have any other thoughts on any of the performances um, or anything like that, or just anything else we didn't touch on? We, um, we know we kind of uh, picked on the lead performance at a while. Is there any anything else you really enjoyed, or just any other parts of the movie that we didn't touch on yet that you wanted to highlight before we signed off? Yeah, I mean, I thought uh, Josh Lawson as Kano was probably the best part of the movie. Yeah, he he what seemed was... to like be having a good time. Yeah, I um, agree with that. I mean, he he definitely, and and I would say. There was like one moment where that just sort of summed up like what I felt the movie could have been, but but ended up not being. Was like there was some moment of like exposition dump where Sonya like lays out something, you know, some bit of history about the tournament or something, and then Kano's just like, you know, like, I gotta learn that. That's, that's ridiculous, you know. So it's just like he just like clowning on how stupid it sounds, and I was like, you know, that could have been good if they had just done that you know had like 
had Kept like that energy yeah kind of lampshaded how ridiculous and like overly serious a lot of the a lot of the you know the stakes are always portrayed in the movies but i think they just i think the movie got away from itself in, in its seriousness and it's you know it's adherence to fishing out all of the lore at every possible juncture but uh yeah i mean i thought i thought josh lawson was good i thought uh you know Daniel brought up the Mortal Kombat Rebirth, which you know was actually was a was a pitch film essentially that was turned into Mortal Kombat Legacy, which was a TV show that was not particularly good. But the you know the pitch film, I will say this for it. I mean, it, it had a lot going for it in the acting department. I mean, you had Michael Jai White as Jax Briggs instead of Makad Brooks, who uh, you know I I, I don't. I don't dislike Makad Brooks, but Michael Jai White is fucking Michael Jai Michael White. Jai like, White. Yeah. like you know, you don't get much better. Like he is, he's like purpose built for the role of Jack Spriggs. So, mm-hmm. you know, he he was. And you had uh, you Latif had uh, my man, yeah, Latif man. I watched yeah. him as uh, I, I forgot who he was playing. Was he playing Goro? No, he plays he version of Baraka. Baraka, not in, but yeah, not yeah. in the uh, not in this movie. Yeah, but I thought, I mean, he was great. I would say that I would wish that the movie I kind of I hear what Daniel's saying. I just wish the movie had more identity. I don't necessarily know that like the you know gritty ultra realism was that would be necessarily the way to go because the you know Mortal Kombat I think it has an identity. It has this sort of Clive Barker esque, you know, um beautiful violence, you know, as the as as I think Clive Barker would call it, right? Like the guy who wrote Hellraiser, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's it's like this operatic violence that that kind of goes beyond like uh, like gritty street realism. And I, I wish in a way that that came through a little bit more in the movie. But I I don't know what kind of movie that would be. You know, would it be scarier? Would it be you know almost a horror film? You know, it's, it's just ideas, you know. I think at the end of the day, you know, we've, we've talked to death about just, you know, what missteps the movie took in that regard. And I would just, yeah, I would just kind of reiterate that if it, if the film had focused less on trying to be the Avengers and more, <laughs> more on trying to be, you know, even more on trying to be Mortal Kombat, you know, it might've, it might've succeeded even more. And that's not to say that I, you know, really straight up disliked it. I, I had some problems with it. I still had fun. Would I tell people to rush out to go see it? I don't know. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, uh, I think I, I would. You know, I can recognize a lot of the a lot of the areas, a lot of the weaknesses you guys are highlighting. But at the same time, if you're not as sophisticated of an action movie goer as I am, I think you'll be more easily entertained. And it's definitely worth seeing. We're still in the midst of. I, I think. I think movies are the theaters are about to open up in a big way with a lot of other stuff. But like maybe not till June. And I, there's just not a lot coming this weekend or the next couple or just the next couple of weeks. I think that's really all that super exciting. I'm, I actually I take that back. I mean, I, I know Daniel's really pumped for those who wish me dead, but uh, we're, <laughs> but, but, I, 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 but 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 I mean, so, but but I mean, like, look, I mean, I'm probably I, maybe I'm more excited for that than a lot of people. But I think uh, Mortal Kombat. There's a reason it has like, and I know Elijah's a, a super big fan of Rotten Tomatoes. But the fact is, it's it has like 86 percent with the audience there, like for a reason. So I think uh, for a certain level of moviegoer who is just can uh, leave their expectations at wanting to see some heads blow up, then I think it's fun, and I would at least recommend that. Uh, I, I know Daniel wouldn't recommend it, but do you want to? Do you have any other final words though on the movie before we uh, wrap up, Daniel? Ignore him. Don't see it. That's all I got. That's all I got. <laughs> I would say, well, let me, let me say this. Let me say yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I will plug, I will plug my company and also say something that I think Daniel will agree with, which is that you can skip this and you can just watch warrior on HBO max. Um, hey, it's, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll co-sign. I've, I have not watched that yet. And I, I've heard you guys talk about it and I just somehow, and I've watched a lot of HBO max stuff, but I just haven't really gotten to that. Can you like give the, give the listeners a quick uh, elevator pitch for warrior? Yeah, it's uh, based on the original writings of Bruce Lee from the 1970s. Um, it is a TV show set in San Francisco in, I believe, the 1870s. And it follows Chinese tongs or gangs in, uh, in a variety of 
interpersonal and street level conflicts that occur uh, between them uh, and expands out to the politics of the city at the time. Um, it's a very timely show. Uh, it was it was originally ran for two seasons on Cinemax and then was canceled. However, HBO Max picked it up and has renewed it for a third season. And there's definitely a, a reason for that, given, uh, you know, kind of what's what's been going on in the world recently. And of course, it is chock full of very talented stunt and martial arts performers. Uh, and I think that comes through in the in the production. If you're a fan of well-directed, uh, well-edited, and exceptionally well-performed action, it is probably one of the best things on TV now. So Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like the first martial arts show uh, that I can wholeheartedly um, recommend uh, in some time. Like Into the Badlands, Iron Fist. I didn't have a lot of uh, Wu Assassins. There wasn't a lot of great picking. So this is the first one that I'm like, yes, this is actually quality. Seek it out. Okay. Uh, anything else you want to plug yourself, Daniel? Uh, do you have like, do you have any like a list of oh, well, uh, martial arts films you want to rattle off for the next five minutes while I <laughs> update my letterbox? Uh, well, oh well, I can give it a shot. So, um, <laughs> actually, there is a streaming action option that I would recommend to people. I would recommend Without Remorse, the new uh, Tom Clancy movie adaptation, I should say, on uh, Amazon Prime. Uh, directed by the winning combination, uh, directed and written by the winning combination of Stefano Salima and uh, what's his name? The guy I don't like. Taylor Sheridan. Deha Sheridan. Taylor Sheridan. Um, you can see his fingerprints here a little bit, but it is mostly a rewrite of a script from the 90s. And yeah, it is, I think, the best uh, advertisement for the U.S. military that I've seen in quite some time. Uh, <laughs> genuinely, really great action. Uh, it's nice thriller plot. It's in and it's out. I think it, it it's like an hour forty minutes, uh, which is beautiful. Um, I really did quite enjoy it. Uh, how's how's, how's, it how's Michael action. B. Jordan? Good Michael B. Jordan or no? He's fucking great. He's okay. on fire. Unbeaten twenty eight, uh, which is one of the few. Amazon Prime took down like so many of their martial arts movies. Uh, I don't know when that happened, but I'm I'm super pissed about it. What's left is mostly shit I've seen before, but the Unbeaten 28 is uh, pretty much like another sort of like a monk is seeking revenge and he has to undergo trials in order to get strong enough to beat the villain. Uh, very much like the 36th Chamber of Shaolin, which is you know one of the most foundational martial arts movies of all time. It's really good. Uh, solid, uh, solid uh, little uh, uh, stunt sequences with all these trials. Some really great fights. I love these ind independent uh, Taiwanese movies because lacking the budget and the sound stages of like something like the Shaw Brothers, they had to get very creative with their choreography in order to keep you interested, and they certainly uh, do that. Um, Parole Violators. Direct a video action movie. It's uh, an awesome from name. 1994. Uh, it's it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Lots of people getting really really hurt for very little money. Uh, Sean P. Donahue gets the shit kicked out of him. He gets run over by cars. He falls ten feet from you know a ledge, and it's it's all it's all really I mean sleazy, but there's there's a lot of fun there too. And finally, I just have to plug once again. Undisputed 3 Redemption, look, if you want the very best action that you could possibly see, you're going to have to reach for Undisputed 3 at some point. I uh, can't properly uh, accept someone, uh, their action film opinions, if they don't say, oh yeah, I love Undisputed 3. That's it. Do you have to see you Undisputed 1 and 2 to enjoy Undisputed 3? You don't really. You don't really. Um Although, you know, Scott Atkins, he's the villain of Undisputed 2. So, you know, that'll end. Uh, Michael J. White, who's the protagonist of the second movie, his character is the villain of the first movie from 2000. But there's, you know, different actors. Watch Undisputed 3, people. Watch Undisputed 3. 
All right. Uh, one thing I'll plug, I just, the last thing I saw in theaters, I saw Together Together, the new f- film from director Nicole Beckwith, stars Ed Helms and comedian Patty Harrison. I literally knew nothing about it going in. I'd seen a couple people like mention it on Twitter as something they'd like. So it was a pretty unique experience for me to literally know nothing about a movie other than like who the two lead actors were. And I'd never seen Patty Harrison before. I just kind of knew she was a comedian just through seeing things about her here and there and it was really really enjoyable movie and i i mean while i enjoyed not knowing much just to give you a quick pitch it's about a a a guy in his 40s who's played by ed helms obviously who decides he's uh wants to have a kid but you know is i mean he's single in his 40s and he's gonna hire a surrogate to do it and the surrogate is uh played by is this young woman in her 20s played by patty harrison and they end up having like a a much different unique relationship than someone probably ever does or should have with their surrogate and it uh it's just a very unique story and i and i appreciate it and thought they had a very uh they gave some very charming performances and it's cool to see where that where that movie goes and that's what i'll say about that uh as usual if you want to find us on uh find the podcast on twitter it's uh at the rewind movie pod podcast gmail the rewind movie pod at gmail.com i'm josh jernavoy on twitter and letterbox j-o-s-h-j-u-r-n-o-v-o-y i want to thank daniel and elijah for joining me uh coming up next i might uh i might have an episode with uh with joe on that uh, new Netflix animated movie that's from uh, some of uh, Phil Ward and Chris Miller's team, The Mitchells versus the Machines. Uh, I didn't really know a lot about it before a couple weeks ago. Apparently got very good reviews. So uh, looking forward to talking about that. And, you know, after that, uh, maybe we'll end up doing some kind of double feature on uh, Without Remorse and Those Who Wish Me Dead or something like that because I know Daniel just really wants to talk about his boy Taylor Sheridan. So uh, we'll see. Oh, I'd love to. I would love to. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see. I mean, I can't I can't just let Daniel shit on my faves all the time. I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 ju- I just mentioned that uh, before, we, before we started recording that I hadn't done this with Daniel and Elijah since we since we uh since we did if, if, if beale street could talk and i didn't realize it hadn't been that long but it, i mean that was just like an experiment to like see how it would go if i had uh daniel come on to talk about barry jenkins someone i really like and i basically like all of taylor sheridan's movies except for sicario 2 which is the only one that daniel likes so i mean i don't really know how the, it might be really interesting like i might end up not liking without remorse and liking those who wish me dead and it could be the opposite so i don't know that could be interesting we'll see but uh again thanks to the, daniel and elijah thanks to everyone for listening and we'll see you next time